I mean, as soon as we open up to the public on Friday, it's not like, you know, hey, we're making money again. To recoup the losses that businesses have made over this two weeks, it's going to take months and months. And it's also heading into the middle of winter. I mean, I don't even think a double-edged sword has enough edges to describe every which way that venues have been hit at the moment. Here we are again, Melbourne preparing to come out of lockdown. Uh, it's it's a very familiar feeling, looking at the restrictions, you know, seeing what's easing, seeing what still happens. Uh, restaurateurs around the city are doing those calculations, working out the density, the square metrage. It's, uh, it's a familiar feeling, um, but there's always differences. And today we are going to talk about the situation as it stands with Byron Barraclough from Wilbury and Sons, a craft beer hangout in Moorabbin. Hi, Byron. How are you doing? I'm doing very well, Danny. How are you doing? I'm fine. I just have that sort of exhausted feeling and, and I'm not even trying to open a restaurant. I'm just thinking about everybody else doing it if they can, if they can make it work. Uh, tell us about, you know, the things that have been going through your mind as we hear about the lockdown lifting. Yeah, I mean, this lockdown number four uh, has been a lot easier in some respects, um, you know, because as you mentioned, you had another lockdown. So, I mean, everyone we've had, it's gotten a bit easier to pivot or um, bring yourself out out of lockdown a lot easier. Um, so this time around, I've just been thinking about uh, pivoting as best as possible to take away um, without sort of losing focus too much on the concept with customers as far as what they're used to eating um, and really just keeping in touch with my staff um, who haven't had, you know, as many hours as they usually would, um, just to make sure they're doing all right. Yeah, of course. And, um, as, uh, you know, one of the big differences with this lockdown, uh, from the previous ones has been that there hasn't been JobKeeper. Did that affect you and your staff? Uh, heavily. Um, yes, it, it really did. Um, because obviously it, it's great being able to, uh, be able to pivot to takeaway. But it's it's never going to bring in as as much revenue as uh, dining. Um, so being able to try and cover the the wages you do need to keep on um, is a lot harder. Uh, especially like you said, you don't have that job keeper. Um, you don't have any rent relief necessarily coming from the landlord. So it's it's all bills as normal as far as that goes, and it creates a lot more stress about where's the money going to come from to cover those things and yeah i mean where did it come from or hasn't it come um well obviously a bit from um regulars and and other customers coming in and supporting us with takeaway um obviously uh with the seven grand um with the hospitality venue fund uh, coming in, you know, we're sort of banking on on that to come in to tie us over, uh, but that's not going to happen overnight. So we've sort of just been riding on our laurels and, and what little we did have in the account at lockdown time. 
Mm, yeah, it's really tricky. And I guess it's one thing to know that the money's available, but to actually get it in the bank account is often a different matter. Do you, do you know if any of your staff have gone for the COVID disaster payment, um, if, you know, for losing hours of work? Uh, yes, a, f- a few of them have, um, they have, have had to re- call repeatedly. Um, they've been told different, things by different people on the same phone number. So it's been quite frustrating um, for them just trying to get a little something in the pocket to, to try help pay the bills over this time. Yeah, it, uh, that's that's true. And I'll just take a little segue here to say that I was very preoccupied with this COVID disaster payment and the way it was being rolled out um, early in the week. Uh, I was really delighted that uh, temporary visa holders were able to access the payment. But yeah, as you say, it, it, the rollout wasn't smooth and the, the Services Australia call centre staff had not been trained in eligibility criteria for the package. I don't even know if they <laughs> heard about it at all, some of them. And yeah, people were, you know, would get one answer from one person, they'd hang up and I'd encourage people to try again because you'd get a different answer from the next person. And yeah, some people, including international students and other people on temporary visas, did get money in their account, you know, as well as Australian citizens uh, who perhaps had an easier time negotiating the system. But it's been great to get that income support from the federal government. It's, it's uh, if you've if you've struck the right person that actually can process the claim um, and learn about it, you know, alongside you as they um, yeah work their way through it, then you, you've been you've been lucky. And of course, you know, five hundred dollars or three hundred and twenty five dollars, depending on how many hours you've lost, isn't going to um, set you up for life. But it's certainly been a welcome um, deposit for a lot of people. Yeah, that's what I've, I've found as as well. And um, I mean, thankfully, I haven't had to go through that call centre myself. Um, but th- just the, the stress that they must feel not being in their home country um, and then having to fight for every little scrap, um, even though, you know, they're working and paying tax the same as everyone else. Um, I'm I'm glad that people are able to access that money now. Yeah, I'm really glad too. And um, I was back and forth with Services Australia um, as well, and they actually apologised um, <laughs> and said that, uh, yeah, the rollout wasn't exactly as they would have hoped either. So I guess they're humans as well. And, you know, a lot of the feedback that I had from visa holders in my community was, you know, Patience and kindness uh, will get you further than getting frustrated. And, yeah, I've been delighted to see screenshots of people sending me through those deposits into their bank account. It's it's great. And it really does drive at home how closely so many hospo workers live to the poverty line, you know, really living week to week on their pay packets. One person that I'm in touch with um, got got some money, went down to the supermarket, found some salmon, 60% off, uh, bought it, came home and made a square meal for her and her flatmate. And, you know, that was the best that they'd eaten for a week. So it really, yeah, really drives at home how, um, just how, how tight it is for a lot of people. Exactly. Yes. Um, so Byron, Tell us a bit more about Wilbury and Sons. Tell us about your your brew pub over there. Yeah, sure. So um, yeah, we're a little family-run uh, pub on Station Street opposite Moorabbin train station. 
so we opened up only two weeks before lockdown number three. Um, so that's why this lockdown feels a little bit easier, I suppose. Um, more people know about us. Um, it was pretty hard pivoting to take away only two weeks after opening when no one knew who you were, um, you know, in a suburb that not many people have ever heard of. Um, but we do a full sort of British, modern British style food menu, um, with the likes of your Sunday roast with the Yorkshire puddings, um, burgers, scotch eggs, house-made pies. Um, so a few dishes that, you know, from days gone by, you don't see around uh, Melbourne too often any longer. Um, and we just changed that with the, with the season. So we just launched our winter menu uh, not too long ago, um, adding in things like uh, like lamb shank. Um, and then just pairing that or trying to pair that with, uh, as you mentioned, craft beer, uh, wine and spirits, um, with a, a main focus on, on locally produced stuff. Uh, we're quite lucky down here in the southeast. We've got quite a few breweries and distilleries popping up um, around us now. So there's lots of um, inspiration to draw from. And using these sorts of um, products, people already know about them around here. Um, I, I guess lockdown number two being so long, the good thing about that was people were stuck uh, in 5Ks in this bubble for, for six months. So they they learned about their new local butcher or new favourite wine bar and the likes. And, um, you know, sort of using those uh, those uh, businesses that people already have an affiliation with um, helps us as well just to connect with our local community a bit more. Yeah, that's so interesting. Um, there's another business that opened in Moorabbin, uh, perhaps even more recently than you, Comma Food and Wine, and chatting to them, they, they sort of mentioned similar factors in that it's actually been a really good time to connect with the local community. Um, so you might have people that live in the neighbourhood that would previously have gone, you know, into the city to, um, you know, for a night out. That hasn't been possible. And even when they've been able to travel further, they haven't really wanted to. They've just sort of really come to... I guess get used to where they are and feel a little bit hemmed in, but also, but you know, that sounds negative, but there's a positive to it as well, where you just feel a bit more anchored and really keen to explore and support the local businesses. Yeah. I mean, it, if people don't necessarily want to have to travel as far um, to get what they want anymore. Um, and it's good to see that now they don't have to either. Uh, they have got that option. Um, I mean, there'll still be those occasions that people will sure go to the, the city. Um, it's not like we have the NGV out here, but, um, you know, the everyday local shopping or catching up with friends and family, it's, it's become more of a tight knit local community out in the suburbs. Um, you know, hopefully getting back to the point where you know all your neighbors' names. Um, and it's good to be, be a part of that along with, with Comer and a few other places that are popping up. Mm, that's it's so yeah it's really nice it's a really positive spin on it so um byron what made you open this kind of business in the location that you have um well i, I live in cheltenham and uh there's only a couple of suburbs away and i've been there for for over two years now um and prior to the pandemic i owned um a bar on chapel street uh in paran but i guess having a young family and 
been half an hour's drive from Chapel Street, the the second lockdown really made me rethink my priorities um, and and sort of get try to get something closer to home. Um, it's sort of for the same reasons I was explaining before about people being stuck in that 5Ks. I mean, you really turned your life into being in, in that bubble and, and not much of your life outside of friends and family living outside that bubble. Um, so I think it was just a natural progression for me. It's where I felt comfortable opening a new place. I, I felt, felt like I knew the community uh, a bit more from the lockdown, um, shopping at, at local grocers and that sort of thing. So it was, I guess, a bit in part giving back to the community. Um, but, I mean, it obviously makes a lot of, of sense. It's closer to home for me now. It's only a five-minute drive. Um, and, and so far it's looking like it's going well. Mm, it's, it's so good. It's, it's one thing to feel like you want to service a community. It's another thing to connect with that community and build a business, especially in such a crazy period. What are some of the things that you've done to really connect in with the local community? Yeah, well, there are some great Facebook um, community groups out there. Um, and being in Moorabbin, and this the part of Moorabbin I'm in, I'm very close to a lot of different council areas. Um, so there's a lot of community groups nearby. Um, I mean, the RSEA Oval, where uh, the St Kilda women's AFL team play, is only a five, six-minute walk. Um, so there's all these sort of community groups out here you can tap into with the area being a lot more family orientated uh, that you're ne- not not necessarily going to get say if you're in the CBD or or, or closer to the city um, and and those sorts of groups have been really uh, supportive and vocal of us and just having another pub to go to in the area it seems like that's what people were looking for. Um, being out in the suburbs, there aren't as many places to go and visit, uh, you know, during the night, um, as you say, you could do in, in Richmond or, or the CBD. Um, so I think it's the pandemic offered a great opportunity for uh, supply and demand to meet out in the suburbs. And uh, I'm just happy to offer something that the locals are enjoying. Yeah, it's really interesting because I guess all that stuff you've mentioned, that's that's marketing that you don't need to pay for, is it? It's just a matter of linking in with those organisations or those those community notice boards on Facebook or wherever it is. Um, it's just, it's a bit more organic than the kind of marketing that some people might think they need to do, isn't it? Exactly right. Um, there, there are a lot of sort of uh, expats as well, expert, um, expats that live out here Um you know, naturally they grow up in, in more of a pub environment where, you know, after work you go straight to the pub. It's where you meet your friends. It's where you meet your family. You know, we take them for a Sunday lunch. Um, it's all very community orientated. Um, that's a sort of thing, I guess, in Australia we didn't really grow up with as, as much, you know, with, with places being open later, you're not necessarily going straight to the pub after work, you're going home, hanging out for a little bit before going out later. Um, and I think that creates a little bit more of a disconnect between um, 
the, the pub and and an, being an, an extension of your lounge room, um, if you will. Um, and that's what I've just been trying to create here is uh, it's somewhere you feel quite comfortable being at. Um, it's close to home. It doesn't feel too different to what you would have if you're in your lounge room. Yeah, that's so interesting and must be so different to the bar that you used to have in Chapel Street, which I'm, you know, assuming was a bit of a younger audience and was more of that, you know, nighttime destination. Do you feel like is that a sort of, you know, as you say, it's a time of life for you uh, kind of thing or do you feel like it's a, you know, very strategic COVID thing? Um, Probably a bit of both, Um, but leaning more towards a time of life thing. Um, for a lot of my regulars that live out here that originally came to Australia on a, on a visa, you know, they, when they were younger, they were living in St Kilda and doing that sort of thing. But as they got sponsored and were able to stay and met people and had families, I think they naturally just moved out to the suburbs like any other person would. Um, but they're obviously still looking for an experience, uh, through a pub as they did in the younger days, just it's a different type of experience they're looking for now. Um, and and having pubs like mine and others around here that caters to that sort of crowd, it's uh, obviously keeps the wheel turning, so to speak. How did you feel, Byron, when um, early in this current or this, you know, this outbreak that we've hopefully just got ourselves through, there were all those bars along Chapel Street that were exposure sites. Did you just, did a shiver go up and down your spine? It, it did because the one I used to own was mere meters away from two of the sites. So, um, I mean, you never want to see anybody's venue named um, on an exposure site list, um, but it really sort of hit home that perhaps I did make the right decision. Um, but yeah, it, it just shows you how careful you have to be no matter where your venue is or your retail shop. You, you just don't know what's going to happen and you just have to be as prepared as you can be to, to deal with the consequences if, if they arise. Yeah, totally. I mean, how do you feel that, that Melbourne businesses are placed now coming out of this fourth lockdown? I mean, do you feel like the compliance and the, um, yeah, the attention and the, you know, not letting complacency creep back in, do you feel like we're, we're well placed to get back to business, get towards normal? Uh, I think so. Um, but I mean, I thought that about all the three previous lockdowns as well. Um, yeah, not, not... We're eternal optimists, aren't we? You've got to be. Well, yeah, you've got to be. Like, what other choice do you have? Um, you've just got to try and stay positive and, you know, put your, you have to put face in other people. Uh, you know, we're, we're not just thinking about ourselves here. Um, businesses don't work without customers and, you know, customers don't have anywhere to go without business owners. So we all sort of have to pitch in in our own way and just make sure we're doing the right thing because it's not going to be fun for anyone if, um, if the shops all close up. And there's no point earning a wage if you've got nowhere to spend it. One thing that everybody is talking about, Byron, is staffing and how hard it is to find staff. And, and here you are, you know, opening a new business during a pandemic. How have you found the challenges of staffing? Near impossible. Um, I mean, I was lucky enough with the kitchen to, to find a very good head chef who still had connections from 
um, his previous workplace that had shut down due to the pandemic. Um, so the, the kitchen staffing has been okay, but front of house has been quite challenging. Um, but that's no different to nearly every other venue. Um, I guess being a small pub, it, it does feel a lot harder because if you do have one person call in sick, you know, on a given night, that could be 50% of your staff. Um, you know, whereas like a larger pub, if one person calls in sick, it might not affect as much. Um, but, I mean, it doesn't take away from the fact that everyone's in a similar boat, um, just to varying degrees. Um, and I mean, with the, with job keeper ending, I guess I was quite optimistic about that hopefully changing things as far as being able to find more staff was concerned. Um, but it actually got harder. Um, it just didn't happen, did it? I think everybody thought that was going to be a real shakedown and it just didn't come. No, it was, um, I was quite surprised. Um, I mean, it could be for a multitude of reasons. Um, but you know, you couldn't really dwell on, on that. You just had to keep, keep going. There's not much you can do. If there's no staff, there's no staff. Um, you can't close up your business and now that you've got regular customers and that sort of thing. So, um, I mean, it is getting slightly easier, I've found, um, but only slightly. Um, you, you get one person calling in, in sick or, or a lockdown happen and then you're back to square one again. So have you had to restrict, restrict your hours as you plan to reopen? I have, yeah. Heading into winter, we decided to close Mondays. Um, we were open seven days. Uh, but now with this uh, experiencing a second lockdown for the new place, we've decided to also close Tuesdays. Um, just as Tuesdays were starting to ramp up a little bit for us as well. Um, but we had to just make an executive decision for, you know, the best chance of surviving. Um, and our customers will understand that. Um, they're very supportive. Um, and I think it's just easier to, to make that decision now before being, you know, three or four years down the track and then trying to, to make changes. Yeah, no, that's true. It just makes me think of a business um, in Regional Vic that put a really nice explanatory note on their Facebook page to their customers. Look, this is why we've had to restrict the opening hours. This is what we're able to offer you. This is the reason. And the first comment on it was WTF, not open Sundays. It was like... Oh my God, you've got to, we've got to meet businesses halfway. It's just so harsh. Yeah. Well, it's, I guess people are used to having things a certain way for a very long time pre pandemic. Um, and just sometimes maybe the expectations are a bit too high for, for what customers feel should happen or, or does happen with hospitality venues uh, or, or tourism venues for that, that matter. I mean, as soon as we open up to the public on Friday, it's not like, you know, hey, we're making money again. To recoup the losses that businesses have made over this two weeks, it's going to take months and months. Um, and it's also heading into the middle of winter where people aren't necessarily going out as much either. So, 
I mean, I don't even think a double-edged sword has enough edges to describe every which way that venues are being hit at the moment. So, I mean, any bit of understanding from customers about how hard it is for venues, I think, helps. And putting up notes like that, hey, if that helps, then then go for it. Mm, yeah, but I think as long as they're met with understanding and kindness, not outrage. Um, you know, as you mentioned, the problems that it leads to when staff members call in sick, it makes me think about the announcement yesterday from the chief health officer that if, um, I mean, it was sort of an aside, I think, in the press conference, that if the person or the people who had gone around town with a sniffle for a week before they got tested had gone and got tested the first day they felt sick, that we may not have gone into lockdown at all. And I'm paraphrasing, it's not exactly what he said, but I suppose the implication is if you feel if you have any kind of symptoms, you have got to get tested. But there's going to be so much pressure on those staff just to, to turn up to work, isn't there? A hundred percent. And some of those people, as you mentioned earlier, might be, uh, you know, on the breadline, living week to week, paycheck to paycheck, um, or they might might be international students where, you know, before a couple of weeks ago, they weren't able to work more than their 40 hours a fortnight. Um you know, and they're expected to pay international fees as well. So, I mean, if they're not working, they're not earning money and they're not paying paying their way. Um, I mean, if there's one thing that's a constant with these lockdowns, it's that the governments just aren't prepared enough for the financial blowout. Uh, I mean, to, to already be coming out of a two-week lockdown yet, not have received any compensation for having to be locked down yet, you'd think that these plans would be put in place prior to announcing we're heading into a lockdown. So as soon as the lockdown happens, businesses can apply. Uh, But, you know, I mean, I'm still waiting on my email that has the link for me to apply. And we're heading out of lockdown. So, I mean, these kind I'm lucky enough that I've survived so far through this lockdown, but I mean, there may be businesses that didn't. And but if they, you know, there are businesses where it's you know some people are thinking that this unfortunately is the last straw. And I mean, of course, you know, it's great that you're able to access that payment, you know, eventually when it comes. But people who weren't registered for GST um, have been excluded from that round of the state government support for businesses. So that's been super tough and seems you know really really unfair. Um, it's. I think it's worth mentioning at this point, Byron, um, I'm sure you know, but perhaps not everyone knows that if um, workers take a COVID test and lose um, work as a result of self-isolating while they wait for the results, there is a $450 coronavirus test isolation payment. Um, and that is pretty easy to access and pretty fast. So people should um, look that up if they are in that position. That would solve you know, the payment for that shift for a worker, of course, it doesn't solve the hole that that leaves in your business for that for that day or that evening. No, but, um, I mean, the most important part of my business is my staff. So, I mean, if they have to be in, in a safe place and a healthy place to be able to work, especially during, um, you know, the, this COVID era. Um, so, I mean, it, it, me having to, find cover or, or just go at it alone, you know, if that means they get a payment and and can be guaranteed that 
they come back with a negative result or, or positive in that respect and isolate, you know, then there's nothing I can do about that. It's, it's just something you have to take in, in your stride and realize that it, it may happen and you just got to roll with the punch. Yeah, I mean, it's better than better than them coming to work with COVID. That is a thousand percent sure. Exactly. Um, yeah. So um, thinking about reopening on Friday, what's the sort of mindset that you're going to carry into the day? Is it going to feel good? Is it? Are you going to be tentative? Are you unsure if people are going to come back and support you? Uh, well, I mean, we've already been getting bookings coming in. So, I mean, as far as customers coming back, I'm, I'm sure we'll, we'll have customers. Um, I guess there is a little bit of tentativeness in respect to, um, you know, the restrictions on opening up um, and just making sure that we're adhering to all of those rules and regulations. Um, but outside of that, I'm, I'm quite optimistic about it. I'm excited about it. Um, just getting back behind the sticks and, and putting smiles on, on people's faces. I mean, p- people want to be back in supporting businesses, um, but, you know, they just want to make sure it's in as safe a manner as possible. And, you know, we've got our customers to think of and our, our staff to think of. We want to be open as, as soon as everyone else, but we just got to be mindful that we do it in the right way. Definitely. So I'm loving the sound of the lamb shanks. What's another great dish that I should try when I come to Wilbury and Sons? Oh, you definitely got to try the uh, the Scotch egg. Um, yeah, that, great. That people really love. Um, our burgers are the most popular thing we have on the menu. But um, since we changed over to the winter menu, the uh, the butter chicken and the prawn linguine has been going quite mad. So uh, I'm hoping for a few of those to be sold on Friday. <laughs> oh, well, I'm very partial to a butter chicken, so I would love to try your version. Um, that sounds really great. Byron, is there anything else that you want to say? Oh, just thank you for the time, and um, and it's been great to chat. And hopefully the, the rain stops and we get a maybe not warmer weather, but slightly less cold weather soon. Yeah, well, given that um, it's, the restrictions include a bit of an outdoor uh, outdoor capacity, I hope that people are able to use it at least to some degree. Certainly, I think people will be huddled close to heaters, but yeah, any cover is a good cover at the moment. Um, Byron, yeah, it's been really great to chat. Uh, good luck with reopening again. Uh, let's hope we are never having this conversation about coming out of lockdown in the future, but I look forward to checking out Wilbury and Sons. All the best with it. Thanks very much, Danny. Take care. This is Dirty Linen and I'm Danny Vallant. We air the issues that the hospitality industry finds hard to talk about. We spend a week thrashing around each issue, hearing from different people with unique perspectives. We want to hear from you as well. If you have something that needs to be said about a topic, get in touch so we can include your perspective. Contact us at dirtylinen at deepintheweeds.com.au or hit us up on Insta at Dirty Linen Podcast. We can't wait to hear from you. This.